This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Despite an ongoing financial crisis that has spared few industries and countries, participants in the recent Knowledge at Wharton Real Estate in Emerging Markets Forum focused on the opportunities that still exist in underserved markets for those who know where to look. Panelists and guest speakers at the forum, organized in collaboration with Interconnect Events, included global real estate developers, investors, finance specialists, and top-level executives in the industry. Their overall message, as stated by one participant, no one is safe today, but on a relative basis, the emerging markets are better positioned. In this special report, Knowledge at Wharton asked several forum participants about their experience with and views on emerging markets. Our guest today is Gilles Asolina, Chairman and CEO of Wuxi iPark Development Company. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Well, the topic on everyone's mind these days is the world financial crisis and the impact that it has had on different emerging markets. Since you have uh, such an active uh, presence in China, I was wondering if you would speak a little bit about the crisis and what, it ha- what has been the impact on the Chinese real estate market. Okay, basically I believe that the, uh, the crisis can be analyzed as three crises. There is a credit crisis, as you know, a credit contraction. And this is more a kind of a, credit, a crisis of uh, leverage, you know, leverage on leverage on leverage. Second crisis is, has to do with the derivative markets. Um, the first one is maybe four to five trillion dollars. The second one is in the range of probably uh, 22 trillion dollars. And there is a kind of invisible crisis representing the um, accumulation of all the OTC transactions. And that may represent up to 500 times the second crisis. So this is what we can qualify as a black hole. And you, uh, as an analogy with the general relativity, we can say that the uh, derivative market is the accretion disk, you know, or, uh, turning around the, the black hole and the, the whole story consists in not falling into the, uh, the black hole and, and move rather than freezing positions. Today, the, uh, as you can see, uh, uh, most of the investors, and that includes real estate investors, are not really moving. They prefer to remain liquid. Basically, it is not a good time to sell, it is not a good time to buy, and nobody moves. But if nobody moves, you may have not the speed which is necessary to avoid falling into the black hole. So, uh, with respect to the uh, uh, emerging countries, I think that China is, is, a, particular, is, a, is a particular country because it is, of course, affected, like many other countries, by crisis, but in, differently. Differently because the mentality in China is different. The, uh, the leverage exists, but not as sophisticated as it exists in the United States or in the rest of the world. Basically, in China, you spend what you have. And you um, borrow money because you know that you will be in a position to repay, uh, Basically, because if you're a real estate investor, for example, or a real estate developer, you know that you will pre-sell. And, uh, and once you have secured your pre-sales, then you can go to your bank and you can say, can I borrow money that I will be surely in a position to repay? Of course, you cannot generalize, but this is basically the idea. Secondly, the, um, uh, China has reserve in, in excess of $2.5 trillion, almost $3 trillion. And this is a 
a little bit less than what we call the credit crisis, the first crisis. But this is enough for China to think differently, to think out of the box, to, for example, invest in infrastructure, uh, to uh, accompany uh, other, country, other countries, to invest and take strategic positions uh, in China, but also outside of China, when you're talking about energy or if you're talking about technologies. So that, that puts really China in a very particular position and allowing, uh, allowing major investment in, in infrastructure, therefore allowing investors to, uh, to secure the investment and to rely on real infra infrastructure to, uh, to um, develop properly. Can you tell us a little bit about your own activities in China? Yes, well, basically we have two activities. We have uh, uh, a development activity and a consulting activity. The development activity uh, consists in today of two major projects. Uh, they're based north of Shanghai in, in a city named Wuxi. It is one of the fastest growing cities in China. Uh, we are developing uh, on uh, 3,000 acres in various steps an industrial park, which is named the Digital Animation City, which is going to be hopefully the, uh, a national destination for the uh, digital animation industry, where companies will put their headquarters on site, within which you will find uh, a theme park, a high-tech theme park, and, uh, and around which you will have uh, retail and commercial and residential developments. Uh, that's the first project. And the second project uh, consists of the development of a 75-floor high tower uh, overlooking the old city of Wuxi. That will be a hybrid tower you know, with, with a, a retail area, uh, a, a deluxe shopping mall, and uh, hotels and offices and condominiums. Since you have uh, uh, also operations, I think you're based in Paris as well, or at least originally from Paris, uh, how does the experience of developing real estate in China differ from doing it in, say, other parts of the world? Well, we approach China through what we call a consortium of uh, companies, putting their expertise together. I would say primarily French companies putting their expertise together. And uh, we approach China with a lot of patience. That is required in this uh, um, context. Basically, we, uh, as you know, when you're dealing with China, you have to go through different levels. So you start letter of intent, MOU, joint venture, partnership agreement, and then you create your joint venture. You apply uh, to be able to be transferred uh, land use rights on which you can start your development. And you need to rely on, I would say, either a state-owned developer or a, a, a famous developer, a very experienced developer. So the local partner is essential in China. What were some of the principal challenges you faced in, in, uh, uh, in trying to implement these two projects? Well, basically, I would say the challenges is not really coming from China. China is providing a lot of support. China is providing support in terms of uh, infrastructure, as I mentioned to you. If I take as an example our own development, in, in, in a few, the last few years, uh, the, the, the city of Wuxi built the, an international airport, which is nine miles away from our site, built the, um, the, fast, uh, the f uh, fast speed train, uh, the speed train station two, highways to connect the city to the site. And they basically spend more money 
that the total project costs. So that's pretty impressive. Also, uh, the site is uh, basically, uh, I mean, surrounded by 175 million people living at two-hour driving distance from the site. And the infrastructure is there to drive the people to, 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 to the site. So I would say that everything is here in China to make this, the project su successful. The challenge is more coming from the uh, international financial community. What I will say is still, has still quite a lot of reservation regarding China. And I think that to understand China, first of all, you need to spend time in China. Secondly, you need to understand mentality. And you will find extremely smart people, um, hardworking people, and you will find also uh, people ready to share with you the profits of their own economic growth, which is impressive. Even though we're talking today about 8%, it is still 8% of, of growth of the GDP every year, which is, which is very impressive. Where do you see your operations in another 18 to 24 months? Where would you like to be? Well, I think I would like to continue to explore opportunities to uh, develop uh, joint venture in China. But today we're thinking also of um, developing with China, I would say, new structured instruments where Chinese companies and uh, why not China, uh, Chinese uh, sovereign fund will invest side by side with other sovereign funds from the Middle East, from Norway, uh, from the U.S., from France, from Europe, so as to share together the economic growth uh, that China is providing to the whole world. That would consist in investing in infrastructure, but also in, uh, in accompanying China in their desire to acquire strategic assets outside of China, operated by Chinese companies and by foreign companies together, okay, and to, in order to secure supply of I would say, energy, natural resources, and others, to China, but also uh, helping people who have, I would say, less demographic strengths, like the Middle East people, for example, to invest the money properly. Uh, the difference between China and the rest of the world, I would, India accepted maybe, is the demand. The demand is in China. You know, you're talking about over 1.4 billion people in China. And... Uh, uh, that represents a huge demand to be satisfied. And that's the reason why there is no reason to be scared about China, only reason to be, to be um, happy, because China is going to pull the world if the world can work all together, rather than taking independent positions or adversarial positions or trying to take advantage of the crisis because some asset or some companies are... Uh, very much today underestimated in terms of value or market value, just to take advantage of the crisis to say, well, why don't we think out of the box? Why don't we think differently? Why don't we just work together? And and we we have today very nice regulation tools. We have we can administrate uh, structured investment funds pretty nicely. We uh, we can combine financial resources from where money is, and that includes China. Middle East, but also funds of funds or some funds, just having liquidity but waiting to invest. 
and we can accompany China in their need, as I said priorly, to uh, to acquire strategic assets out of China and to operate hands in hands with other companies. I think China is prepared for that, and um, and if we we think global rather than thinking that there is a kind of a synchronization of the crisis and that uh, everybody has to develop a, a protectionism to, uh, to protect their own position. I think if we say this is not the right way to do, uh, the right way to do is to work together and to invest together, to share leadership, to share control, to exchange expertise. I think the, uh, the end of the crisis is there. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.